Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we will read chapters 33 and 34. Now, in the last episode, we read chapters 31 and 32, and it was extremely fascinating. We were visited by one of the old-time tales that almost any child would read during their childhood, and it was King Midas himself. He still had his power of turning anything into gold, but now he is met by the trio who learn many new things about him and give a new perspective on the story. So if you didn't listen to that episode, go and listen now. Back to the recap. King Midas first offers the trio a chance to become investors. However, the trios, the trio declines the, uh, declined the offer. Midas later offers that they either turn into statues or die at the hands of Lit, who is Midas's son. With this, Leo and Piper attempt to fight with Midas with their charm speak and fire powers, but the attempts are futile as Midas turns both of them into gold. With Jason the only one left, Lit du- uh, Jason chooses to duel a duel with Lit and successfully be able to make Lit stumble and fall. And Jason is able to trick Midas to help Lit get back up and makes the mistake of turning his son into gold. And with that, Jason is able to summon his spear, which now apparently can also summon lightning, which is really cool, and is able to finally defeat Midas and also bring back all of the the golden statues that he had uh, captured over the past years. So after that tiring battle, we'll have to see where the trio is heading next and along with Coach Hedge, of course. So right now we'll read chapters 33 from Piper's perspective. Piper woke up cold and shivering. She'd had the worst dream about an old guy with donkey ears chasing her around and shouting, you're it. Oh God, her teeth chattered. He turned me to gold. You're okay now. Jason leaned over and tucked a warm blanket around her, but she still felt as cold as Boread. She blinked, trying to figure out where they were. Next to her, a campfire blazed, turning the air sharp with smoke. Firelight flickered against rock walls. They were in a shallow cave, but it didn't offer much protection. Outside, the wind howled. Snow blew sideways. It might have been day or night. The storm made it too dark to tell. Leo? Piper managed. Present and ungoldified, Leo was also wrapped in blankets. He didn't look great, but better than Piper felt. I got the precious metal treatment too, he said. But I came out of it faster. Don't know why. We had to dunk you into the river to get you back completely. Tried to dry you off, but it's really, really cold. You've got hypothermia, Jason said. We risked as much we risked as much nectar as we could. Coach Hedge did a little nature magic. Sports medicine. The coach's ugly face loomed over her. Kind of a hobby of mine. Your breath might smell like wild mushrooms and Gatorade for a few days, but it'll pass. You probably won't die. Probably. Thanks, Piper said weakly. How did you beat Madas? Jason told her the story, putting most of it down to luck. The coach snorted. <laughs> King's kid's being modest. You should have seen him. Hi-ya! Slice! Boom! With the lightning. Coach, you didn't even see it, Jason said. You were outside eating the lawn. But the satyr was just warming up. Then I came in with my club and we dominated that room. Afterward, I told him, Kid, I'm proud of you. If you could just work up on your upper body strength. Coach, said Jason, yeah shut up please 
Sure. The coach sat down at the fire and started chewing his cudgel. Jason put his hand on Piper's forehead and checked her temperature. Leo, can you stoke the fire? On it. Leo summoned a baseball-sized clump of flames and lobbed into the campfire. Do I look that bad? Piper shivered. Nah, Jason said. You're a terrible liar, she said. Where are we? Pike's Peak, Jason said. Colorado. But that's, what, 500 miles from Omaha? Something like that, Jason agreed. I harnessed the storm spirits to bring us this far. They didn't like it. Went a little faster than I wanted, almost crashed us into the mountainside before I could get them back in the bag. I'm not going to be trying that again. Why are we here? Leo sniffed. That's what I asked him. Jason gazed into the storm as if watching for something. That glittery wind trail we saw yesterday, it was still in the sky, though it had faded a lot. I followed it until I couldn't see it anymore. Then, honestly, I'm not sure. I just felt like this was the right place to stop. Course it is. Coach Head spit out some cudgel splinters. Aeolus's floating palace should be anchored above us. Right at the peak. This is one of his favorite spots to dock. Maybe that was it. Jason knit his eyebrows. I don't know. Something else too. The hunters were heading west. Piper remembered. Do you think they're around here? Jason rubbed his forearm as if the tattoos were bothering him. I don't see how anyone could survive on the mountain right now. The storm's pretty bad. It's already evening before the solstice, but we didn't even have much choice except to wait out the storm here. We had to give you some time to rest before we tried moving. He didn't need to convince her. The wind howling outside the cave scared her, and she couldn't stop shivering. We have to get you warm. Jason sat next to her and held out his arms a little awkwardly. Uh, you mind if I... I suppose... She tried to sound nonchalant. He put his arms around her and held her. They scooted closer to the fire. Coach Hedge chewed on his club and spit splinters into the fire. Leo broke out some cooking supplies and started frying burger patties on an iron skillet. So guys, long as you're cuddled up for story time, something I've been meaning to tell you. On the way to Omaha, I had this dream. Kind of hard to understand with the static and the Wheel of Fortune breaking in. Wheel of Fortune? Piper assumed Leo was kidding, but when he looked up from his burgers, his expression was deadly serious. The thing is, he said, my dad, at Fe- my dad Hephaestus talked to me. Leo told him about his dream, and the firelight with the wind howling, the story was even creepier. Piper could imagine the static-filled voice of the god warning about the giants who were the sons of Tartarus, and about Leo losing some friends along the way. She tried to concentrate on something good, Jason's arms around her, the warmth slowly spreading into her body, but she was terrified. I don't understand. If demigods and gods have to work together to kill the giants, why would the gods stay silent? If they need us, ha, said Coach Hedge, the gods hate needing humans. They like to be needed by humans, but not the other way around. Things will have to get a whole lot worse before Zeus admits he made a mistake closing Olympus. Coach? Piper said, That was almost an intelligent comment. Hedge huffed. What? I'm intelligent? I'm not surprised you cupcakes haven't heard of the giant war. The gods don't like to talk about it. Bad PR to admit you need immortals to help buy beat an enemy. That's just embarrassing. There's more though, Jason said. When I dreamed about Hera in her cage, she said Zeus was acting unusually paranoid. 
And Hera said that she, she, Hera, Hera, she said she went to those ruins because a voice had been speaking in her head. What if someone's influencing the gods like Medea influenced us? Piper shuddered. She'd had a similar thought that some force they couldn't see was manipulating things behind the scenes, helping the giants. Maybe the same force was keeping Enceladus informed about their movements and had even knocked their dragon out of the sky over Detroit. Perhaps Leo's sleeping dirt woman or another servant of hers. Leo set hamburger buns on the skillet to toast. Yeah, Hephaestus said something similar, like Zeus acting weird than usual. But what bothered me was the stuff my dad didn't say. Like a couple of times he was talking about the demigods, and now he had so many kids and all. I don't know. He acted like getting the greatest demigods together was going to be almost impossible. Like Hera was trying, but it was really a stupid thing to do. And there was some secret Hephaestus wasn't supposed to tell me. Jason shifted. Piper could feel the tension in his arms. Chiron was the same way back at camp, he said. He mentioned a sacred oath not to discuss something. Coach, you know anything about that? Nah, I'm just a satyr. They don't tell us the juicy stuff, especially an old... He stopped himself. An old guy like you? Piper asked. But you're not that old, are you? 106. The the coach muttered. (coughs) Leo coughed. Say what? Don't catch your panties on fire, Valdez. That's just 53 minutes in human years. So, yeah, I made some enemies on the Council of Cloven Elders. I've been a protector a long time, but they started saying I was getting unpredictable, too violent. Can you imagine? Wow. Piper tried not to look at her friends. That's hard to believe. Coach scowled. Yeah, then finally we get a good war going with the Titans, and do they put me on the front lines? No, they send me as far away as possible. The Canadian frontier, can you believe it? Then after the war, they put me out to the pasture, the wilderness school. Bah, like I'm too old to be helpful just because I like playing offense. All those flower pickers on the council talking about nature. I thought satyrs like nature, Piper ventured. Shoot, I love nature. Hedge said, nature means big things killing and eating little things. And when you're a, you know, vertically challenged satyr like me, you get in good shape. You carry a big stick and you don't take nothing from, from no one. That's nature. Hedge snorted indignantly, flower pickers. Anyway, I hope you got something vegetarian cooking, Valdez. I don't do flesh. Yeah, coach, don't eat your cudgel. I got some tofu patties here. Piper's a vegetarian too. I'll throw them on in a second. The smell of frying burgers filled the air. Piper usually hated the smell of cooking meat, but her stomach rumbled like it wanted to mutiny. I'm losing it, she thought. Think broccoli, carrots, lentils. Her stomach wasn't the only thing rebelling. Lying by the fire with Jason holding her, Piper's conscience felt like a hot bullet slowly working its way toward her heart. All the guilt she'd been holding in for the last week since the giant Enceladus had first sent her a dream was about to kill her her friends wanted to help her jason had even said she'd walk in he'd walk into a trap to save her dad and piper had shut them out for all she knew she'd already doomed her father when she attacked medea she choked back a sob maybe she'd done the right thing in chicago chicago by saving her friends but she'd only delayed her problem she could never betray her friends but the tiniest part of her was desperate enough to think what if i did She tried to imagine what her dad would say. Hey, dad, 
If you were ever chained up by a cannibal giant and I had to betray a couple of friends to save you, what should I do? Funny dad never come up when they did any three questions. Her dad would never take the questions seriously, of course. He'd probably tell one of her, one of Grandpa Tom's old stories. Something with glowing hedgehogs and talking birds and then laugh about it as if the advice was silly. Piper wished she remembered her grandpa better. Sometimes she dreamed about that little two-room house in Oklahoma. She wondered what it would, be, would have been like to grow up there. Her dad would think that, would, that was nuts. He had spent his whole life running away from that place, distancing himself from the res, play, play, playing any role except Native American. He'd always told Piper how lucky she was to grow up rich and well cared for in a nice house in California. She learned to be vaguely uncomfortable about her ancestry, like dad's old pictures from the 80s, when he had feathered hair and crazy clothes. Can you believe I, lo- I ever look like that? He'd say. Being Cherokee was the same way for him. Something funny and mildly embarrassing. But what else were they? Dad didn't seem to know. Maybe that's why he was always so unhappy changing roles. Maybe that's why Piper started stealing things, looking for something her dad couldn't give her. Leo put tofu patties on the skillet. The wind kept raging. Piper thought of an old story her dad had told her, one that maybe did answer some of her questions. One day in second grade, she'd come home in tears and demanded why her father had named her Piper. The kids were making fun of her because Piper Cherokee was a kind of airplane. Her dad laughed as if that would never occur to him. No, Pipes. Fine airplane. That's not how I named you. Grandpa Tom picked out your name. First time he heard you cry, he said you had a powerful voice, better than any reed flute piper. He said you learned to sing the hardest Cherokee songs, even the snake song. The snake song? Dad told her the legend. How one day, a Cherokee woman had seen a snake playing too near her children and killed it with a rock, not realizing it was the king of rattlesnakes. The snakes prepared for war on the humans, but the woman's husband tried to make peace. He promised he'd do anything to repay the rattlesnakes. The snakes held him to his word. They told him to send his wife to the well so the snakes could bite her and take her life in exchange. The man was heartbroken, but he did what they asked. Afterward, the snakes were impressed that the man had given up so much and kept his promise. They had taught him the snake song for all of the Cherokee to use. From that point on, if any Cherokee had met a snake and sang that song, the snake would recognize the Cherokee as a friend and would not bite. That's awful, Piper had said. He let his wife die? Her dad spread his hands. It was a hard sacrifice, but one life brought generations of peace between snakes and Cherokee. Grandpa Tom believed that Cherokee music could solve almost any problem. He thought you know you knew a lot of songs, you'd know a lot of songs, and be the greatest musician of the family. That's why we named you Piper. A hard sacrifice. Had her grandfather foreseen something about her, even when she was a baby? Had he sensed what she was a child of Aphrodite? Her dad would probably tell her that that was crazy. Grandpa Tom was no oracle. But still, she'd made a promise to help out on this quest. Her friends were counting on her. They'd saved her when Midas had turned her to gold. They brought her back to life. (laughs) She couldn't repay them. She couldn't repay them with lies. Gradually, she started to feel warmer. She stopped shivering and settled against Jason's chest. 
Leo handed out the food. Piper didn't want to move, talk, or do anything to disrupt the movement, but moment, or but she had to. We need to talk. She sat up so she could face Jason. I don't want to hide anything from you guys anymore. They looked at her with their mouths full of burger. Too late to change her mind now. Three nights before the Grand Canyon trip, she said, I had a dream vision. A giant telling me my father or father had been taken hostage. He told me I had to cooperate or my dad would be killed. The flames crackled. Finally, Jason said, Enceladus? You mentioned that name before. Coach Hedge whistled. Big giant breeds fire, not somebody I'd want barbecuing my daddy goat. Jason gave him a shut up look. Piper, go on. What happened next? I tried to reach my dad, but all I got was his personal assistant and she told me not to worry. Jane? Leo remembered. Didn't Medea say something about controlling her? Piper nodded. To get my dad back, I had to sabotage this quest. I didn't realize it would be the three of us. Then after we started the quest, Enceladus sent me another warning. He told me he wanted you two dead. He wants me to lead you to a mountain. I don't know exactly which one, but it's in the Bay Area. I could see the Golden Gate Bridge from the summit. I have to be there by noon on the solstice tomorrow. In exchange. She couldn't meet her friend's eyes. She waited for them to yell at her or turn their backs or kick, their, kick her out into the snowstorm. Instead, Jason scooted next to her and put his arm around her again. God, Piper, I'm so sorry. Leo nodded. No kidding? You've been carrying this around for a week? Piper, we could help you. She glared at them. Why don't you yell at me or something? I was ordered to kill you. Aw, oh, come on, Jason said. You saved us both on this quest. I put my life in your hands any day. Same, Leah said. Can I have a hug too? You don't get it, Piper said. I've probably just killed my dad just telling you this. I doubt it. Coach Hedge belched. He was eating his tofu burger folded inside the paper plate, chewing it all like a taco. Giant hasn't gotten what he wants yet, so he still needs your dad for leverage. He'll wait until the deadline passes, see if you show up. He wants you to divert the quest to this mountain, right? Piper nodded uncertainly. So that means Hera's being kept somewhere else, Hedge reasoned, and she has to be saved by the same day. So you have to choose, rescue your dad or rescue Hera. If you go after Hera, then Enceladus takes care of your dad. Besides, Enceladus would never let you go if you, even if you cooperated. You're obviously one of the seven in the Great Prophecy. One of the seven? She talked about this before with Jason and Leo, and she supposed it must be true. But she still had trouble believing it. She didn't feel that important. She was just a stupid child of Aphrodite. How could she be worth deceiving and killing? So we have no choice, she said miserably. We have to save Hera, or the Giant King gets unleashed. That's our quest. The world depends on it. And Enceladus seems to have ways of watching me. He isn't stupid. He'll know if we change course and go the wrong way. He'll kill my dad. He's not going to kill your dad, Leo said. We'll save him. We don't have time, Piper cried. Besides, it's a trap. We're your friends, beauty queen, Leo said. We're not going to let your dad die. We just got to figure out a plan. Coach Hedge grumbled. Would help if we knew where this mountain was. Maybe Aeolus can tell you that. The Bay Area has a bad reputation for demigods. Old home of the Titans, Mount Othrius sits over Mount Tam, where a Atlas holds up the sky. I hope that's not the mountain you saw. Piper tried to remember the vista in her dreams. I don't think so. This was inland. 
Jason frowned at the fire like he was trying to remember something. Bad reputation. That doesn't seem right. The Bay Area? You think you've been there? Piper asked. I... He looked like he he was almost on the edge of a breakthrough. Then the anguish came back into his eyes. I don't know. Hedge, what happened to Mount Othrius? Hedge took another bite of paper and burger. Well, Kronos built a new palace there last summer. Big, nasty place. It was going to be the headquarters for his new kingdom and all. Weren't any battles there, though. Kronos marched on Manhattan, tried to take Olympus. If I remember right, he left some other titans in charge of his palace. But after Kronos got defeated in Manhattan, the whole palace just crumbled on its own. No. Jason said. Everyone looked at him. What do you mean, no? Leo asked. That's not what happened. I, He tensed, looking toward the cave entrance. Did you hear that? For a second, nothing. Then Piper heard it. Howls. Piercing the night. And that's the end of chapter 32. Now, that... 33, sorry. 33. That is the end of chapter 33. And might I say, that was indeed a interesting story. Because we finally... Piper was finally able to tell Jason and Leo about what was happening. And I have a strong feeling that her dad will be saved. And that he won't possibly just be killed by Enceladus. I feel that they'll be able to come up with a way to save Hera and also be able to save uh, uh, Piper's dad from Enceladus. So hopefully they will be able to come up with an effective plan and also also be able to take care of the problem that they are now going to face with these howls. I'm assuming they're wolves and that hopefully they'll be able to you know, battle this out. And of course, we'll have Coach Hedge with his energetic uh, offensive side uh, when it comes to battling monsters. So hopefully Coach Hedge will also be an asset to that. So after this break, we'll read chapter 34 again from Piper's perspective, and we'll see what's going, what is going to happen within this possible battle between the trio and possibly a band of wolves. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 34, Piper. Wolves, Piper said. They sound close. Jason rose and summoned his sword. Leo and Coach Hedge got to their feet, too. Piper tried, but black spots danced before her eyes. Stay there, Jason told her. We'll protect you. She gritted her teeth. She hated feeling helpless. She didn't want anyone to protect her. First the stupid ankle, not stupid hypothermia. She wanted to be on her feet, with her dagger in her hand. Then, just outside the firelight at the entrance of the cave, she saw a pair of red eyes glowing in the dark. Okay, she thought, maybe a little protection is fine. More wolves edged into the firelight, black beasts bigger than Great Danes. With ice and snow caked on their fur, their fangs gleamed, and their glowing red eyes looked disturbingly intelligent. The wolf in front, the wolf in front was almost as tall as a horse, and his mouth stained as if he'd just made a fresh kill. Piper pulled her dagger out of its sheath. Then Jason stepped forward and said something in Latin. Piper didn't think a dead language would have much effect on wild animals. But the alpha wolf curled his lip. The fur stood up along his spine. One of his lieutenants tried to advance, but the alpha wolf snapped at his ear. 
Then all of the wolves backed into the dark. Dude, I gotta study Latin. Leo's hammer shook in his hand. What'd you say, Jason? Hedge cursed. Whatever it was, it wasn't enough. Look. The wolves were coming back, but the alpha wolf wasn't with them. They didn't attack. They waited. At least a dozen now, in a rough semicircle just outside the firelight, blocking the cave exit. The coach hefted his club. Here's the plan. I'll kill them all, and you guys escape. Coach, they'll rip you apart, Piper said. Nah, I'm good. Then Piper saw the silhouette of a man coming through the storm, wading through the wolf pack. Stick together, Jason said. They respect a pack, and Hedge, no crazy stuff. We're not leaving you behind or anyone else behind. Piper got a lump in her throat. She was the weak link in their pack right now. No doubt the wolves could smell her fear. She might as well be wearing a sign that said, Free lunch. The wolves parted, and the man stepped into the firelight. His hair was greasy and ragged, with the color of fireplace suit, topped with a crown of what looked like finger bones. His robes were tattered fur. Wolf, rabbit, raccoon, deer, and several others Piper couldn't identify. The furs didn't look cured, and from the smell, they weren't very fresh. His his frame was lithe and muscular, with like a distance runner's. But the most horrible thing was his face. His thin, pale skin was pulled tight over his skull. His teeth were sharpened like fangs, and his eyes glowed bright red like his wolves. And they fixed on Jason with absolute hatred. He, he said, Philly Romani. Speak English, wolfman, Hedge bellowed. The wolfman snarled. Tell your fawn to mind his tongue, son of Rome, or he'll be my first snack. Piper remembered that fawn was the Roman name for satyr. Not exactly helpful information. Now, if she could remember who this wolf guy was in Greek mythology and how to defeat them, that she could use. The wolfman studied their little group. His nostrils twitched. So it's true, he mused. A child of Aphrodite, a son of Hephaestus, a fawn, and a child of Rome, of Lord Jupiter, no less. All together without killing each other. How interesting. You were told about us? Jason asked. By whom? The man snarled. Perhaps a laugh. Perhaps a challenge. Oh, we've been patrolling for you all across the West, demigod, hoping we'd be the first to find you. The giant king will reward me well when he rises. I am Lycaon. King of the wolves, and my pack is hungry. The wolves snarled in the darkness. Out of the corner of her eye, Piper saw Leo put up his hammer and slip something else from his tool belt. A glass bottle full of clear liquid. Piper racked her name trying to place the wolf guy's name. She knew she'd heard it before, but she couldn't remember details. Lycaon glared at Jason's sword. He moved to each side as a look for an opening, but Jason's blade moved with him. Leave, Jason ordered. There's no food for you here. Unless you want tofu burgers, Leo offered. Lycaon bared his fangs. Apparently, he wasn't a tofu fan. If I had my way, Lycaon said with regret, I'd kill you first, son of Jupiter. Your father made me what I am. I was the the powerful mortal king of Arcadia with 59 sons, and Zeus slew them all with his lightning bolts. Ha! Coach Hedge, for good reason. Jason glanced over his shoulder. Coach, do you know this clown? I do, 
Piper answered. The details of the myth came back to her. A short, horrible story she and her father had laughed at over breakfast. She wasn't laughing now. Lycaon invited Zeus to dinner, she said, but the king wasn't sure it was really Zeus. So to test his powers, Lycaon tried to feed him human flesh. Zeus got outraged and killed my sons. Lycaon howled. The wolves behind him howled too. So Zeus, so Zeus turned him into a wolf, Piper said. They call, they call werewolves lycanthropes, named after him, the first werewolf. A king of wolves, Coach Hedge finished. An uh, immortal, smelly, vicious mutt. Lycan growled. I will tear you apart, Fawn. Oh, you want some goat, buddy? Because I'll give you goat. Stop it, Jason said. Lycan, you, you said you wanted to kill me first, but... Sadly, child of Rome, you are spoken for since this one. He waggled his claws at Piper. Has failed to kill you, you are to be deterred, delivered alive to the wolf house. One of my compatriots has asked for the honor of killing you herself. Who? Jason said. The wolf king snickered. <laughs> oh, a great admirer of yours. Apparently, you made quite an impression on her. She will take care of you soon enough. And really, I can't, cannot complain. Spilling your blood at the wolf house should mark my new territory quite well. Lupa will think twice about challenging my pack. Piper's heart tried to jump out of her chest. She didn't understand everything Lycaon has said. But a woman who wanted to kill Jason? Medea, she thought. Somehow, she must have survived the explosion. Piper struggled to her feet. Spots danced before her eyes again. The cave seemed to spin. You're going to leave now, Piper said, before we destroy you. She tried to put power in the words, but she was too weak. Shivering in her blankets, pale and sweaty and barely able to hold a knife... She couldn't have looked very threatening. Lycan's red eyes crinkled with humor. A brave try, girl, I admire that. Perhaps I'll make your end quick. Only the son of Jupiter is needed alive. The rest of you, I'm afraid, are dinner. At that moment, moment Piper knew she was going to die. But at least she'd die on her feet, fighting, ne fighting next to Jason. Jason took a step forward. You're not killing anyone, Wolfman. Not, with, not without going through me. Lycan howled and extended his claws. Jason slashed at him, but his golden sword passed straight through, as if the Wolf King wasn't there. Lycan laughed. Ha! Huh. Gold, bronze, steel. None of these are any good against my wolf, son of Jupiter. Silver! Piper cried. Aren't werewolves hurt by silver? We don't have any silver, Jason said. Wolves leaped into the firelight. Hedge charged forward with an elated woot! but Leo struck first. He threw his glass bra bottle and it shattered on the ground, splattering liquid all over the wolves. The unmistakable smell of gasoline. He shot a burst of fire at the puddle and a wall of flames erupted. Wolves yelped and retreated. Several caught fire and had to run back into the snow. Even Lycan looked uneasily at the barrier flames now separating his wolves from the demigod. Aw, oh, come on, Coach Hedge complained. I can't hit them if they're away over there. Every time a wolf came closer, Leo shot a new fire, a wave of fire from his hands, but each effort seemed to make him a little more tired, and the gasoline was already dying down. I can't anymore, summon any more gas, Leo warned, then his face turned red. Wow, that came out wrong. I mean the burning kind. Gonna take the two belt a while to charge. What you got, man? Nothing, Jason said. Not even a weapon that works. 
Lightning? Piper asked. Jason concentrated, but nothing happened. I think the snowstorm is interfering or something. Unleash the venti, Piper said. Then we'll have nothing to give Aeolus, Jason said. We'll have come all this way for nothing. Lycan laughed. Ha! <laughs> I can smell your fear. A few more minutes of life, hero. heroes. Pray to whatever gods you wish. Zeus did not grant me mercy, and you will have none from me. The flames began to sputter out. Jason cursed and dropped his sword. He crouched like he was ready to go hand to hand. Leo pulled his hammer out of his pack. Piper raised her dagger. Not much, but it was all she had. Coach Hedge hefted his club, and he was the only one who looked excited about dying. Then, a ripping sound cut through the wind. Like a piece of tearing cardboard, a long stick sprouted from the neck of the nearest wolf. The shaft of a silver arrow. The wolf wreathed and writhed and fell, melting into a puddle of shadows. More arrows, more wolves fell. The pack broke into confusion. An arrow flashed toward Lycan, but the wolf king caught in midair. Then he yelped and yelled in pain. When he dropped the arrow, it left a charged, smoking gash across his palm. Another arrow caught him in, the sh in his shoulder, and the wolf king staggered. Curse them! Lycan yelled. He growled at his pack, and the wolves turned and ran. And ran. Lycan fixed Jason with his glowing red eyes. This isn't over, boy. The wolf king disappeared into the night. Second li seconds later, Piper heard more wolves baying, but the sound was different. Less threatening, more like hunting dogs on the scent. A smaller white wolf burst into the cave, followed by two more. Head said, Kill it? No! Piper said, Wait. The wolves tilted their heads and studied the campers with huge golden eyes. A heartbeat later, their masters appeared. A troop of hunters in white and gray winter camouflage, at least half a dozen. All of them carried bows with quivers of glowing silver arrows on their backs. Their faces were, were covered with parka hoods, but clearly they were all girls. One, a little taller than the rest, crouched in the firelight and snatched up the arrow that wounded Lycan's hand. So close. She turned to her companions. Phoebe, stay with me. Watch the entrance. The rest of you, follow Lycan. We cannot lose him now. I'll catch up with you. The other hunters mumbled agreement and disappeared, heading after Lycan's pack. The girl in white turned toward them, her face still hidden in her parka hood. We've been following that demon's trail for over a week. Is everyone all, all right? No one got bit. Jason stood frozen, staring at the girl. Piper realized something about her voice sounded familiar. It was hard to pin down, but the way she spoke, the way she formed her words, reminded her of Jason. You're her, Piper guessed. You're Talia. The girl tensed, but Piper was afraid she might draw her bow, but instead she pulled down her parka hood. Her hair was spiky black, with a silver tiara across her brow. Her face had a super healthy glow to it, as if she were a little more than human, and her eyes were brilliant blue. She was the girl from Jason's photo. Do I know you? Talia asked. Piper took a breath. This might be a shock, but... Talia, Jason stepped forward, his voice trembling. I'm Jason, your brother. And that's the end of chapter 34. That was really an, a great chapter. And knowing that now possibly that the trio has another enemy that is now hunting them, which is great. It's very wonderful. They now have multiple people to now worry, enemies to worry about. 
but at least the hundreds of Artemis were able to come and support them because uh, they were able to shoot their silver arrows and that proved very fatal to the wolf pack and were able to finally save the day. And hopefully when Jason and Talia are able to um, meet up with each, other, with each other and clear up some confusion about anything, it might lead on to like more about Jason's past and about, you know, if he... Uh, about him knowing so much about Rome and the, his connections to Rome, so we'll have to see when we read when we read chapters thirty five to thirty six next week. Uh, before we end off, I'm gonna read a little bit of chapter thirty five, and we'll sign off. Chapter thirty five, Leo. Leo feared he had the worst luck in the group, and that was saying a lot. Why didn't he have? Why didn't he get to have the long lost sister on a movie star dad who needed rescu- rescuing? All he got was a tool belt and a dragon that broke down halfway through the quest. Maybe it was a stupid curse of the Hephaestus cabin, but Leo didn't think so. His life has had been unlucky way before he got to camp. A thousand years from now, when this chaos quest was being told around a campfire, he figured people would talk about brave Jason, beautiful Piper, and their sidekick Flaming Valdez, who accompanied them with a bag of magic screwdrivers and occasionally fixed tofu burgers. And if that wasn't bad enough, Leo fell in love with every girl he saw, as long as she was totally out of his league. And that's where we're going to end off for chapter 35. I'm very interested now in how this chapter will go. Uh, especially the interaction between Jason and Talia. Uh, next week, we're going to read chapters 35 and 36. And if you guys, once again, if you guys want to support me in my podcast description, there's a link to my Patreon. So it would really appreciate if you guys could, uh, could um, you know, visit that sometime and truly show your support. So thank you guys for all that you do. And until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.